Hey everybody, my name is Ethix. My name is T. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Fearful, Fearful Thoughts. Thoughts. Hey all you gamer girls and boys out there, how we doing today? Welcome back everybody. Welcome back. We got a awesome and fun little topic today. Is it Gremlins? No, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get Damn there, it. little buddy. Leprechauns. 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 Leprechaun or leprechauns? Leprechauns. You, the little green bastards? Yeah, with the pot of gold. You you, you want to get some pot? <laughs> I want some fucking gold. In a pot? <laughs> yes. Okay, <clears throat> pot of gold. Yeah. So, yeah, we got a fun topic of horror games today. I'm actually uh, excited about this one. Oh, me too, dude. I was uh, uh, pretty prepared for this one. I, I like. I figured you would be more prepared than me. Oh, yeah. No, dude. Um, Speaking of horror games, I just started a new series on my YouTube channel. Um, it's called At the Dead of Night. And you play as this chick, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you go into this hotel. Think of, like, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Okay. Put into a game, but on a little bit of a bigger scale. Okay. And so this guy, his name's Jimmy. And we Jimmy Dean. fucking hate Jimmy. I always say Jimmy. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, he fucking knocks out all your friends and he's chasing you around with a goddamn fucking slugger bat and he's he's going around and you're trying to figure out what happened to make him the way he is because you get the spirit box and you're trying to talk to the dead that he killed hmm so pretty creepy interesting and it's a point and click and it's it's with actual actors like people it's not um there are graphics Mm -hmm, you know what i mean mm -hmm. but it's what am i trying to it's uh Real, real life, live action, live action. Thank you. I was uh, looking for uh, that uh, word. Um, but yeah. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, so have we got any messages? Mm, I, I, I really hate to say because guess you know we're at a hundred and twenty people listening. Wow! Holy and shit! No voice messages. Huh? Damn. Hmm. No, no well, voice sucks. Message. Yeah, um, yeah. Hmm. Look, 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 looks like you got something new on the desk there. Something what, what new you got there. I got a uh, got a Jurassic Park dinosaur looking at me. Nice, nice. Um, I, I got I got something really cool on my side. What do you got? I can't see. I have an aliens, a queen alien head that's a pencil sharpener oh shit yeah it's pretty fucking sweet don't put your penis in that damn it (laughs) that was so my plan Ah, i know i gotta watch Mm. out oh shit no no (laughs) (laughs) yeah and what 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 else we got sitting on the desk over there uh we got a hellraiser cube oh the lemonade yep lemonade 
configuration. Lamette okay. com- configuration. Mm-hmm. Hellraiser cube. Mm, nice, fancy. That's pretty cool mm-hmm. looking. You, you, is that the game we're playing today? We're going to be opening the Hellraiser cube? No, 2020 already did that. I'm not doing oh. it for this year. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Cool. Um, what's this about a new... A little new game coming out? So, um, the eighth mainline Resident Evil game now has a release date, if you guys haven't heard. Wednesday, at a live stream event, developer Capcom announced that Resident Evil Village will be coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and PC on May 7, 2021. But don't worry, it's also going to be on the current generation consoles, like the PS4 and the Xbox One. Nice, nice. Yeah. So I'm I just watched the trailer for that. It looks it it looks sick. It looks pretty wait. badass. First person. I personally I think I mean I like the Resident Evil games, but I like the first person versus the third. Cuz it's more yeah, immersive. Yeah. It it def definitely is. Um nice. I can't wait. Yeah, for sure. Sweet. So, uh, you got you got a new fact for me this week? I do. Do you want to guess what the fact is about? I have no idea, mm. if I'm being honest. <clears throat> well, this week we're going to be talking about Silence of the Lambs. Oh, shit. Silence of the Lambs, 1991, when characters are... Talking to Clarice, they often talk directly to the camera. Director Jonathan has explained that this was done so that the audience would directly experience her point of view and more readily identify with Clarice over her male counterparts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, And did you know that we almost had a completely different Hannibal Really? Yeah. Uh, Did you know that Sean Connery was the first choice to play Hannibal Lecter? Sean Connery. (laughs) Connery read the script and found it revolting. Daniel Day-Lewis and Derek Jacoby were also considered. Um, And then, you know, there's this famous line that everybody misquotes. Do you know what it is? It puts the lotion on the skin. No, no, Or it no, gets no, the no. hose again. No, no, no. Is it, hello, Clarice? Correct. The line that most people think was a quote is actually, good evening, Clarice. Yeah. Not, hello, Clarice. Yeah. That, that's like the, uh, what's it called? The Mandela effect. That's crazy. So yeah, just just imagine Sean Connery is Hannibal Lecter. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> I can't do his <laughs> voice, but he would have been hilarious. Sean Connery, <laughs> right? <laughs> what, wasn't was it him that played uh, Indiana Jones's dad? Am I yes. correct? Yes, you are. Okay. You are correct there. Because I get him mixed up with, um, with somebody else. I can't remember his name. 
how do you get him mixed up with anybody else? I mean, he he's very he's he's well known. I get that. Distinguished. No, between I, like just his voice alone. Yeah. You know. No, I, I I mean I understand what you're saying, but like. I don't watch a lot of things with him in it. I haven't. Mm. To be fair. James Bond. See, I wasn't a big James Bond fan. Oh, I never liked 007 man. or any of those movies. I, I, I like the older ones with all the gadgets and stuff. All the fancy schmancy yeah, spy. The submarine car. Secret agent man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> No, I so. mean, I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but... No, no, not by any means. I no. Know, I know, you just, just don't like An James uncultured Bond. swine. Wait, what the fuck did you just say? That you don't like James Bond? I don't like James Bond. No, That's I, what I said. I, I, I thought you were going to call me like an uncultured swine or something. No, like, I, I said it's okay because you don't mm-hmm. like James Bond. Not everybody does. It's all good. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Correct. <laughs> so, so we got a. Uh, we, we gonna we gonna play. Yeah. I want to play a game. We're gonna play a little new game. Uh, just Change for this. it on me. I am. I was just getting used to the other one. So you bastard. This one's gonna work a little bit differently, but it's the same concept. Okay. So. Is it a freaky dicky horror game, or is it a weird title horror lame? Hmm. So this one, I'm gonna read them off to you one by one. Okay. And you're gonna have to tell me if it's a real game or not. And okay. these are all okay. horror games. Okay. Remember all right. that. All right. Okay. So the first game, pizza delivery. You are a pizza delivery driver, and you are on your last delivery. Unfortunately, this one isn't an in-and-out job. In true horror fashion, everything goes from bad to worse, and the poor soul you play as is in the wrong place at the wrong time. Floating corpses, Michael Jackson music, suspicious trails of pizza slices. It all accumulates into a very strange and hilarious tale. So, there's that Hmm. one. Then, for all you bronies and My Little Pony fans out there, we have Pinkie Pie's Cupcake Party. (laughs) I'm sorry. uh, Delve deep into the cellar of Pinka Mina, look out for the trapped ponies while traversing the dangers lurking within the dark corridors of the dungeon. Will you rescue them all from the grim fate that awaits them, or will you let them die? (laughs) I'm gonna let them die. (laughs) My little pony. (laughs) I'm sorry, I deserve to die. (laughs) Um, okay. And the final one is called Tickle Tickle. <laughs> what is this, Elmo? Elmo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You play as a young boy trying to go to sleep. You've heard the stories about the Tickle Monster, but you never thought he'd actually find you. Run around your house as you try to get away and hide from him till morning. Be careful, because this Tickle Monster is out for blood. And wow. these are... 
all descriptions from the synopsis from the game. <laughs> okay. And what am I picking? Which one is not a game? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> you know, I've seen some of the games you play. Like the Captain Crunch one. I've never played any of these. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> there's so, some weird ones so out there. there's some weird ones yeah. out there that, unfortunately, I could see all of these. <laughs> Being a game? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, if I'd pick one, though, I would probably have to say Tickle Tickle. Tickle Tickle. Why do you tickle, say that? Tickle. I don't know. What do you, what do you mean I, you don't I, know? You just, I, I, you're I just, just shooting I'm your shot? just fucking throwing a dart here at shit. Like, I don't know. They all sound like they could be... A game? A game. You know. There, I will tell you, there are a lot of weird fucking games out there. Yeah, that's why I'm like, that any of them could be. So. So I'm just randomly picking one, and Tickle Tickle's the one I'm picking. So all these games you're able to find on itch.io.com except for tickle tickle you got it right damn <laughs> yeah that was a that was a good uh, shot in the dark right there so that game is uh, i i made that up but <laughs> can you imagine that being yes, a game i i could actually i think that would be i'd play that game i put it on my channel definitely I think Definitely. it would be a... Uh, uh, now, now you have to do Pinkie Pie's Cupcake Party. Fuck. Do and I really? You have to do that. Why do one. I have to do it? I want to see the ponies die. You want to see the ponies? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. man. I want to see them die. I already showed you Dora. Da, da, Dora. That, that, that game was, was good. That was good. Did I you like watch that one. that one? Yes. Fucking Dora's legs are cut I, I, off and she chases you around like the Teke Teke from Japanese lore. I think my favorite is the Captain Crunch one. God, I... No, no, you don't, Captain. Fucking Captain, man. He was pissing me off that day. <laughs> I I edited that video and when I did, I, I cut out so much of yeah. the times that I fucking lost. It was annoying. <laughs> Not my Captain Crunch. Oh fuck! <laughs> like, <laughs> motherfucker, and his little fucking parrot squawk. He's over right. here. <laughs> you son of a bitch! It was hilarious. I loved it. Polly, take this cracker up your ass. Nice. So, so, I got a little bit of some descriptions and. Oh, whatnot of different horror game genres. Ooh. Yeah. <clears throat> the incorporation of general horror genre themes into video games came early on in the medium with Haunted House for the Atari 2600 in 1982. One of the first such works. At the time point, Video game technology lacked the fidelity to carry the themes of horror in the technology and was instead wrapped more in game manuals and other presentation materials. Texts like Mystery House and The Lurking Horror are also incorporated horror elements throughout 
It's like textual descriptions of rooms. 3D monster maze for the Sinclair ZX81 in 1981. <clears throat> While not containing images tied with horror games, was one of the first games to introduce the feeling of suspense and mystery typically associated with the genre. With more graphic, graphical capabilities, games should start to include horror-related imagery, often present in licensed games based on horror films in the late 1980s and 1990s, such as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, and Friday the 13th, as well as games inspired by horror films such as Project Firestart, inspired by the Aliens films. Due to limitations of consoles and computers, these horror images were often limited to cutscenes rather than animated spirits used in the action-based gameplay as to give the fidelity to the details of the horror scene. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. Taking it back in the day. Oh, yeah. I um, like that. Alone in the Dark in 1992 was one of the first horror games to bring the game to a more immersive presentation using crude 3D figures drawn atop a 2D rendered background so that players would control their character from a fixed camera angle. This gave developers to create the necessary sense of tension throughout the adventure game. Alone in the Dark was a global success and directly inspired the creation of the first Resident Evil game in 1996, for which Capcom coined the term survival horror. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty nice. And on topic with the uh, little news we got today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Historically, the classification of video games into genres ignores the narrative themes which would include science fiction or fantasy games instead of preferring system based on style of gameplay or at times types of game modes or by platform. Horror games is the only narrative based classification that has generally not followed this pattern with the narrative genre label used broadly for games designed to scare players. This broad association to the narrative theme of horror games leads to the lack of well-defined subgenres of horror games. Many gameplay-defined genres have numerous games with horror themes, notably the Castlevania platform game series uses monsters and creatures borrowed from their numerous horror mythos. In such cases, these games are still categorized by their original gameplay genre, the horror aspect considered a literary aspect of the game. However, there are some specific areas in the broad horror game classification that have been identified as unique subgenres in horror. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Yeah, I didn't know that uh, Resident Evil basically put a name for survival horror. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But... It's yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, man. Yeah. This is survival horror. One of the best defined and most common types of horror games are survival horror games. These games tend to focus on the survival of the player character 
in a horror setting with limited resources and thus tend to be more geared as an action game or action adventure game. A common theme of these games is escape or survival from the equivalent of a zombie apocalypse with weapons, ammunition, and armor limited. The Resident Evil series coined the term and serves as a prime example for such games. Other notable survival horror series include Clock Tower, Fatal Frame, and Parasite Eve. Action Horror Action horror games are a spin-off of survival horror games where more action game elements from first-person and third-person shooter games are used alongside the survival horror themes, making them more fast-paced than prior survivor horror games. These grew in popularity following the release of Resident Evil 4 in 2005, which persisted into in the, the next two titles, Resident Evil 5 and 6. With gameplay that focused on more action-oriented combat than puzzles and problem-solving from previous titles. Resident Evil 7 returned to the series' survival horror roots. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then we have psychological horror. Psychological horror games are meant to scare the player through emotional, mental, or psychological states rather than through monsters or scares. The fear comes from what is not seen rather than what is. These games commonly rely on the player character's unreliable perceptions and questionable sanity in order to develop the story. Through the use of unreliable narratives, narrators, sorry, such games may explore identity. Psychological horror games may not depend on as much as action and witness events. Phantasmagoria 1995 is considered one of the first such works of type. While the Silent Hill series, which is also based on survival horror elements, is considered one of the defining psychological horror games, such games may also take advantage of the video game medium to break the fourth wall and appear to, do, to affect the player's computer or console directly. Such as with Eternal Darkness, psychological horror games may still be tied to action-based genres uh, like Spec Ops, uh, first-person shooters, but with psychological horror narrative inspired by the works of like Heart of Darkness and uh, Apocalypse Now. I personally... Um, as a gamer myself and somebody that posts on YouTube a lot, I, when I look for games, I usually like to play the ones that have first-person point of view. Mm -hmm. Because, like I was saying, it feels more immersive. Yeah, It definitely. feels like you're a part of it. And I don't know, like, it, you can see other things in third and, like, third-person or, like, pixelated or whatever. For me, it, it depends. I mean, I go back and forth. Some games, I think, are better as a third person. And then others, I think, are definitely better as first person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, jump scare horror games 
are designed around moments aimed to immediately surprise or shock the player when they do not expect it, as well as creating a sense of dread while anticipating the next jump scare. While jump scares may be elements in other horror games along with other gameplay aspects, jump scare horror games are generally limited to this type of gameplay mechanism. They are often aimed towards generating reactions from players which have proven popular to watch over streaming playthroughs play of games like Five Nights at Freddy's um, and such like that. Yeah, I just played that game too. I saw. I finished it. Good, I good. Nice, nice. fucking hate that game. <laughs> fuck yeah. you, Bonnie, and fuck you, Freddy. That's all I gotta say. Those are my words. <laughs> Got one more category. Uh, reverse horror games involve the player scaring others. Rather than the player being scared, compared to a horror game, the player is instead what would be considered the antagonist. Reverse horror games generally involve assuming the role of the monster or the villain. In comparison to the victim, the main character has some sort of advantage over the others, such as enhanced vision, greater strength, or supernatural abilities. Reverse horror games may also derive from an original horror game developed as a sequel or a prequel to the original, intended to display the perspective of the titular antagonist. Examples of reverse horror games include Carry On, um, Dead by Daylight, Friday the 13th, The Game, in which one player controls the monster that is chasing the others. Yep. All good games. Yes, yes. Uh, Dead by Daylight. I really like that game. I haven't played it in a little bit. Um, had, had some house guests. And yep. uh, wasn't able to play very as often. often as I would have liked. So that's my uh, that's my go to leisure game. Like but I like now. to just play it and have fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, we should. You know, I was thinking about it uh, when we brought up this topic to do, and we should play a game multiplayer. Okay. Where you and I play a game like you were just saying, and fucking. Put it, it on, on a podcast, podcast as an episode. episode. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That'd be fun. That could be um, something future-wise. I don't know. I got a game for us to play um, in the future. A future episode. Oh, it's a it's a drinking game. Oh shit! Yeah, it's gonna be fun. So when we get the camera set up, yep, perfect. To get on that. All right. Are you ready for my first game? Tell me the game. <clears throat> so, Friday the 13th, 1985. It was a computer game. It was found on the Commodore 64, the Amstrad CPC, the ZX Spectrum. It was released in 1985. It was an action-adventure survival horror. Friday the 13th, the computer game, is the first game adaption based on the films of the same name. 
It was released in 1985 by Dommark for Amstrad, CPC, Commodore 64, and ZX Spectrum. The game was released on a floppy diskette and a cassette that's, That's how old it is. What the <laughs> fuck? I just <laughs> like the way you said that. That floppy disket. <laughs> the player's goal is to find and kill Jason. While making sure his friends or he himself are not killed by Jason. The gameplay. The player can roam freely around the scenery and walk both inside and outside of the buildings. Jason as well as other characters do the same. It is the player's task to make sure that his friends do not kill by Jason, who often appears disguised as one of them. Unless he is hit, unless he is hit once and becomes visible as a man dressed in black. Various improvised weapons, chainsaw, pitchfork, machete, are scattered around the camp and inside various buildings such as a barn, a church, or a cabin. Once picked up, they can be used to confront Jason. There are five levels to the game, and each time you play is another character. The character assignment is random at the start of the round. The game uses an early pseudo-3D view along with more traditional side view depending on the character's location. The game also features a fear meter in the form of a blonde woman's head with hair standing on end to symbolize the player character's level of fright at the time. Unlike the later Nintendo Entertainment System title, the game includes scenes of gore consistent with the film franchise. For example, when a character is killed by Jason, sometimes there is a scream followed by a quick cut to a graphic image of a machete embedded into their head. A similar startle effect would be used in the 89 title, title Project Firestart. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did you play those games? Uh, this particular one, the PC one, no. Oh. <clears throat> Not this one. So back then, I got a question. So back in that time, in that era for games, mm-hmm. was it looked down upon by game creators for such gore and you know what I mean? Probably. Um, video games were probably a little more seen as fun, light, fun, campy. You were not, born in 89, right? What? You were born in 89? No. 85? No. 87? No. no. 88. No. 90. You're going the wrong way. 82. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) First try. (laughs) I didn't fuck it up. You just hit your head on the mic. I'm watching this uh, little clip. There's a gif on here. (laughs) <laughs> this, this little blonde guy running away and this Jason-esque character chasing Jason after him. Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's fucking hilarious. I, w- I wish you could see the screen. I really do. Well, our viewers can, and that's all that matters. They can. Um, so the game's main appeal was the obvious horror elements, which included the atmospheric music and digitized screens. 
Some criticized that it changed elements from the franchise, such as Jason being dressed all in black, which has nothing in common with his appearance from the films. So you just have a... And so you, in, in the clip, you'll see it come up. Um, just a black figure. Yeah, there's a, looks, looks like uh, he's a little karate um, outfit. <laughs> Jason? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, there he is. See, see him, folks? Yeah, that's Jason. Looks like a normal dude with a machete technus guy in the head. Yeah. It's, oh, no, there's the machete to the head. I'm just, I'm just listening to how you explain this. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. Oh, no. Jason, I can't help you anymore. I can't help you anymore. <laughs> All right. So that was my first first game. Are you ready for the, the next one? Yes. So we're moving forward a little bit. <clears throat> We're doing Friday the 13th, 1989. Platform, NES, is released in February of 1989. It was a survival horror genre, single player. Friday the 13th is a survival horror game published by... LJN and developed by the Japanese video game developer oh, Atlas for Nintendo Entertainment System video game console. It's an adaption of the Friday 13th films. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, it's... The synopsis is it's a pretty typical summer at Camp Crystal Lake. There's a group of happy children staying in the camp. You and your six camp counselor friends are watching over the kids while enjoying the lake in the wilderness. The days are bright and sunny. The nights are cool and clear. And Jason is on the rampage. It's up to you to stop him, but it's not going to be easy. You must first fight your way through the forest filled with man-eating wolves. Caves covered with blood-sucking bats and hordes of mindless zombies everywhere. You must also help any friend who is in danger or else you can kiss them goodbye. And hiding in a cabin or staying adrift in a canoe won't keep you safe. Jason will find you anywhere. The only way to survive this summer is to challenge Jason face to face and destroy him. Jesus Christ. That's a aggressive fucking synopsis. Yeah. That sounds dope. I'd play it. I have played it. In fact, I have this still. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm going to put it on display. Uh, I still play it. You still play it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have one of those um, dual systems that they came out with a while ago that has the NES and Super NES combo. Okay. So it's like jam-packed full of games. And uh, No, you have to buy the cartridges still. Oh. Um, but we have a cartridge that has like 
a hundred NES games on it. Jesus and Christ! This is one of them, and I I play it pretty often. Is it? How long does it take to beat it? I've never beaten it. Still, still to this day. Correct. <laughs> one of these days, we'll sit down and I will we'll we'll play it from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah it sounds, sounds like fun. fun. Um. So the gameplay. Players control one of the six camp counselors with varying levels of speed, rowing, and jumping ability. In a side-scrolling perspective, the counselors start with an... Eh. Oh, yeah. They start with having a rock to throw. <laughs> Super effective. Being able to throw a rock. The goal is to find and defeat Jason Voorhees three times. Along the past, players will find cabins, a lake, caves, and wooded areas, all with all but the cabins having enemies such as zombies, crows, and wolves attacking the player. The player must upgrade their weapon upon finding a new one. A timed alarm appears at certain intervals, requiring players to find Jason before he kills one or more children or another counselor. Using the map, players must navigate their way to Jason's location or switch to the counselor being attacked and defeat him. If they do not make it there in time, Jason will kill the counselors or some of the children. Upon nearing Jason's location, Jason may appear on the path or in the lake and attack the player. When inside the cabin, the Jason will attack the player in a way reminiscent of video game Punch-Out. You ever played Punch-Out? How easily Mm. Goes, goes back and forth and comes close and like, <laughs> <laughs> then backs up, goes back and forth side to side. No, I don't think I've ever played that. Fuck. All right, I have Punch Out as well. You're like, we're having a fucking video game day. We're gonna have to. Players may light the fireplaces inside larger cabins. Upon lighting all fireplaces, a flashlight and torch weapon are now available. Notes are found in some larger cabins, leading the player to other notes in other locations, eventually leading to new items. The objective of the game is to survive for three days and three nights while attempting to find and kill Jason. Players may battle Jason's mother, who is in a hidden locked room in the cave. She is representative as a... Medusa-like floating head that swoops down and attacks you. Navigating the woods or cave can be confusing as they are set up to purposely disorient the player. They hide several locked rooms, cabins. If all counselors or children die, the game is over. That's aggressive as fuck. Yeah, I'm I mean, just imagining God. Jason's mom's <coughs> head floating out of the fucking sky, going, "Look at me! Look at me! Look at me! Look at me! Look at me! <laughs> Turn to stone, bitch." That doesn't sound right. The the thing that gets me about that game, the from what you're explaining, there's no zombies in front of the third. Side. I know, I know. There's no fucking. They they had to throw something in there. 
that extra, extra enemy, enemy and then the, the boss level jason's, jason's mom's head jason's mom's got going on he's she's like hey sweetie make sure you kill all them campers yeah mom <laughs> bake us chocolate cookies fuck yo cookies Fire 13th was developed and published by LJN for the Nintendo Entertainment System console. Um, music and sound effects were designed by Hiroko Takayama. It is an adaption of the film franchise of the same name, developed as part of an aggressive expansion by LJN to focus on video games based on media licenses. Fire 13th was released in North America exclusively in February 1989 as part of LJN's focus on creating video games based on the licenses. It is considered by some as one of the worst games of all time. Game Informer lists the game among the most difficult horror games of all time. Michigan Dailies. Matt Grandstaff called it a poor offering by LJN. GamePro listed it as the 10th worst video game based on a film, criticizing its repetitive music score and amazingly frustrating gameplay. In 1997, Electronic Game Monthly ranked it the 8th worst console video game of all time. Game Raiders Mike criticized the its box commenting that only ljn would ever think to surround jason Voorhees with not with neon pastel vomit thereby making him more of an 80s relic than he already is writer christopher grant commented on the game was more terrible than the deaths of the campers in the first friday the 13th film calling it a craptacular levi Buchanan, IGN, from IGN, used this game as an example of LJN's poor development abilities. The book Vintage Games, an insider look at the history of Grand Theft Auto, Super Mario, and the most influential games of all time, criticizes it for not being frightening, citing technical reasons for this. The authors of Nintendo Power rated Friday the 13th the sixth worst game ever made in the magazine's September 1997 issue. The writer stated, After playing a few minutes of this aardvark, you wanted Jason to slaughter all the counselors, and then you. Anything. So it would just end. Damn, this guy got fucking roasted. It's the worst game three times in a fucking row. Yeah. I, I, I feel kind of bad. I I still like it. But you got to you got to think about, you know, even if it's the worst game, you know, considerably, right? Considered as it's still famous. Well, okay. Well, that that's why I was going to I was going to say um all publicity is good publicity, right? Right. So I mean like people bought it, rented it, whatever. Just to see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but for real though, there's probably a lot of people out there that bought or rented it just to see how bad it was. Yeah. So, 
even though it sucked, people are still hearing about it and they're like, oh, I want to play for myself. I got to see this. Yeah. I got to see this craptastic game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely. definitely. That's, That's funny, funny as fuck, no, though. I, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. But I do <laughs> enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy pretty much everything Friday 13th. No? I including the TV show. I, I don't, don't, don't even get me started. Have you seen the Friday 13th TV show? I've seen a trailer for it. The original? Yeah. 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 It has nothing to do with, with Jason. <laughs> I was. That's why I was fucking disappointed. That's, they just capitalized on the name. Really? They were like, Friday the 13th. Nothing to do with Jason. Campers just sit around. That is the show. It's a fucking pawn shop. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Get ready this summer for the world's non-scariest video game ever. Damn! Oh yeah! Jesus Christ! I just again, I just feel bad. That sucks. Again, I I like the game, so it's not gonna keep me from playing it. Yeah, that's all that matters. And now. Last but not least, are you, are you ready? Wait, what? I got, I got one, one more. more. You got one more? One more. Oh, for a second there, I was like, oh, it's sponsor break already. Jesus yeah. Christ. No, no, no. no. no so, I got one more. A word one from more. our sponsors. Cut. No, I'm just kidding. Damn it. <laughs> Good Good thing I got the controls. <laughs> you had to think about that. You are like, wait a second. Wait, uh, <laughs> was that you just dropped your cellular device yeah, yeah. I, I, I did, did you break it but it's okay no no no, no. Okay. okay so last but not least Friday the 13th 2017 see what I did there well trilogy yeah I, I, I see you <laughs> Friday 13th, the game 2017. Survival horror game. Uh, single player or multiplayer, which that's a big change from previous Friday 13th versions. Friday 13th is a survival horror game formally developed by Ilphonic and published by Gun Media. It is based on the film franchise of the same name. It was released on May 26, 2017 as a digital release, later released on October 13, 2017 as a physical release for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. A Nintendo Switch version was released on August 13, 2019. You gonna play it on the Switch? <clears throat> I might. <laughs> the game is an asymmetrical multiplayer game pitting up to seven players controlling Camp Crystal Lake counselors against one player controlling Jason Voorhees. It is a semi-open world game with players able to explore it further. 
Due to licensing issues with the series, co-creator Victor Miller, the game servers were shut down in November 2020. However, the developers will continue to support and maintain the game. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah people shit. lost their shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck that court case. Yeah. So, one player is randomly selected to control Jason Voorhees, whose objective is to kill as many counselors as possible before the time runs out. Playing as Jason grants special time-restricted abilities, including being able to sense nearby counselors and to teleport anywhere on the map. The remaining players control counselors who can temporarily stun Jason using firecrackers and bear traps, as well as the various projectile and melee-based weapons that are found throughout the map. A player on the counselor side may also control Tommy Jarvis, who becomes playable when certain conditions are met. The main objective of playing is the counselors who escape the map alive, which can be done more quickly by completing the map's side objectives, which are easier to complete when coordinating with other players. That will allow counselors to escape or survive long enough until the time runs out in the session. Jason may also be killed with an epic win condition that requires both teamwork and planning and is very difficult to perform. In order to kill Jason, a female character is needed to find Jason's shack. Dawn the sweater of Pamela Voorhees and claims she is Jason's mother in front of him. If his mask has been knocked off, distracting him as Tommy attacks. Although the game was originally planned to be multiplayer only, a single player mode via an update was announced for summer 2017 release despite the stretch goal for 1.6 to 5 million to unlock it being reached. The mode will consist of objective-based missions that will allow the player to take control of Jason against offline camp counselor boss. Some of the missions will be adaptions of other films while others are original scenarios. On October 27th, 2017, Gunn released a trailer teasing a new game mode called Paranoia. However, on February 1st, 2018, it was announced that development of Paranorma Paranoia mode would be put on hold in order to focus on the new dedicated servers. Oh man, see I haven't actually played a lot of that game, but it was, uh, it, it's a lot of fun, for sure. It is. <clears throat> there are five primary maps available, each of which are based on locations from the first five films, and each set concurrent with the film's time periods. Matches may take place at Camp Crystal Lake, the setting of the first film in 1979. Pakanak Lodge, the setting of the second film in 1984. Higgins Haven, the setting of the third film in 1984. The Jarvis House is the setting of the fourth film in 1984. And Pinehurst, the setting of the fifth film in 1989. Camp Crystal Lake, Higgins Haven, 
Pakenak Lodge were the original available maps, while the Jarvis House and Pinehurst were made available in October 2017 and January 2018, respectively. The game's primary killer is Jason Voorhees, the series' most recurring antagonist. Nine different versions of Jason are playable based on his appearances from the 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th films. And makeup artist Tom Savini's own Jason created exclusively for backers of the game. Roy Burns, the Jason copycat killer from the 5th film, is also player playable under the moniker Part 5 Jason. In addition to the distinctive versions of Jason, the version from the third film has an alternate model based on his appearance from the NES game. Each Jason has his own strengths and weaknesses, and many have different weapons. There are 14 playable councils, counselors, that, sorry, each of whom have their own strengths and weaknesses. Original counselors created for the game are A.J. Mason, Adam Palomino, Brandon Bugsy Wilson, Chad Kennickson, Deborah Kim, Eric J.R. LaChapa, Jenny Myers, Kenny Rido, Mitch Floyd, Tiffany Cox, Vanessa Jones, and Victoria Sterling from the films are part three characters Sheldon and Fox. <clears throat> also playable is Thomas Tommy Jarvis, the protagonist of the fourth, fifth, and sixth films who assists the counselors when con contacted from a randomly played CB radio. Placed CB radio, sorry. He is controlled by a randomly selected player on the counselor's side whose previous character was either killed or escaped. In addition to having perfect statistics and being immediately equipped with a shotgun, pocket knife, and first aid spray, Tommy is the only character capable of killing Jason. Yeah. No, I, I knew that part. You can either get away by boat, which not the smartest idea to do because he travels a lot faster in the water. Yeah. Um, or you fix up the car and get away. Or you can run away to the bridge if you can call the cops. <laughs> right. Yeah. So after Ilphonic's polarized 2012 remake of Nexus and Gun Media's Breach, and clear deadline 2015, Ilphonic went to work on game titled Slasher Volume 1 Summer Camp. With little details on its release date with Gun, in which the story took place in Camp Forest Green, Friday 13th director Sean S. Cunningham was in talks about an upcoming game based on Friday 13th with Gun. It is also the first video game Ilphonic has developed with Unreal Engine 4, departing from CryEngine after the announcement of Project Advania. Cunningham came to us in early 2015, but we quickly discovered these weren't the normal business conversations you would have 
when you tried to secure a license as important as Friday 13. It was totally different. It was a conversation built on mutual admiration and respect for what each had created. Sean immediately noticed the passion we had for Friday 13th, and after several incredible meetings over the next few months, we decided to upgrade our plans for summer camp and embrace Friday 13th video game license. After several incredible meetings over the next few months, Sean surprised us by offering us the Friday 13th video game license. Executive Director and Producer Randy Greenback organized both a Kickstarter campaign and a Backer Kit campaign to fund the game's development. Overall, $422,866 was raised by 18,068 backers in Backer Kit and about 823704 four dollars from twelve thousand one hundred twenty eight backers in Kickstarter collecting about one million two hundred and forty six thousand five hundred and seventy dollars from both platforms becoming the hundred and seventy ninth most crowdfunded project of all time. In October thirteenth, twenty fifteen it was announced that Slasher Volume 1 Summer Camp had evolved into Friday the 13th, the game. With an announcement trailer released by Gunn on their YouTube channel the same day. On Halloween, Harry Manfredini... Manfredini, sorry. Uploaded a video to Gunn YouTube channel with files on his computer monitor barrel being partially seen, implying that he was composing music for the game. On November 4th, Gunn released fly through shots of the game's environment while in pre alpha development. On November 10th, Ilfonic posted a game on Gunn's YouTube channel which highlighted testing and development for the game, including 3D modeling for Jason. On February 25th, 2016, Gunn and Ilphonic released camera footage showing stunt coordinator Kane Hodder, who plays Jason, with Tara Page and Ryan Stats, the two actors who will play the men and women counselors in the game performing motion capture at Digital Domain. The footage shows Hodder performing a list of kill animations for the game, which rigged placeholder characters used to track the kills and animations in real time. This was soon re-uploaded by Bloody Disgusting in the same day. A developer panel for Gun Media and Ilphonic was opened at PAX South 2016 in January with alpha footage of the and a list of kill animations with gameplay released at... E3 June in June 2016. That's dope that Kane Hodder was on the project. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that? I did. That's pretty dope. Um, so, did you know that several actors from the Friday 13 films reprised their roles in the game? Mm-mm. I did not. So, motion capture for Jason Voorhees and Roy Burns, 
the fake Jason was provided by Kane Hodder, who portrayed Jason in the new blood. Jason takes Manhattan's Jason goes to hell and Jason X and is the only actor to have played him more than once. Cast as Tommy Jarvis was Tom Matthews, who played Tommy in Jason Lives. And the character is modeled after Matthews' appearance in the film. Larry Zerner, who appeared in Part 3 as Shelley, reprised the role when the character was added to the game in December of 2017. Also fe featured her the likenesses of Part 3 actress Gloria Charles, as her character Fox, and a new beginning actor Dick Whalen as his character Roy Burns. I'm having a hard time today. Yeah, that's pretty badass that some of the original actors are were coming back on for the project. Yeah. On June 30th, 2016, Ilphonic previewed a 3D development diary to complement the behind-the-scenes interviews, footage, and in-development stock called the Virtual Cabin. Besides overviews, the cabin has item rooms that house information upon characters, scenes, or easter eggs. An item room called the Jason Room was unlocked on July 18, 2016. And a room containing the main counselors was unlocked on August 12th, 2016. On December 18th, a virtual cabin 2.0 was added to the main game. It features much more Easter eggs and is at a much larger scale than the previous cabin. Completing all the challenges reveals confirmation of the addition of Uber Jason and the map depicting the spaceship Grendel from the film Jason X coming soon. However, this was officially canceled in a statement from Gun Media due to a rights lawsuit involving Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller, in which Gun Media representative Wes Kiltner stated, Is there a chance of any content being added to the game? If a ruling on the dispute occurs in the near future, the answer is no. We can't keep building content that may never see the light of day. That's bad business. Yeah, that sucks. That whole fucking court case shut down a game, basically. All they could do is just maintain it. Yeah. That's so that's, shitty. That sucks. Um, and I actually sat in on a panel at Mad Monster Party in 2018 about Friday 13th game. Oh, really? Yep. What was that like? It was really cool. Um, Tom Matthews was there, Kane Hodder, Tom Savini, um, Shelly. Oh, shit. Um, and then some of the developers were in there. Wow, that's pretty badass. And they they talked about that, about the lawsuit a little bit. I mean, what they could say. You know, the fact that no new content's going to come out until it gets resolved. Yeah, there were... Uh, I was reading something. It was just the other day, actually. There were a lot of games that were looking at Jason Voorhees for uh, putting in uh, certain games. 
and it got stopped because of the lawsuit. Yeah. Such a stupid dispute, man. Like it, it is. I mean, why can't we get along so there'd be a Jason everywhere? Everywhere. I mean, he should be in all games. Dead no. by daylight. <laughs> well, that and uh, he is in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, he slid past that one. Um, there. See, the thing that I I feel about that is the fact that it's it's bad business to me to hold something against your audience or your buyers or something just because you're money hungry yeah like that's what it was about it was the rights and Mm -hmm. a money dispute of who gets more money for what and why and that's unfair why not just make it for the good of the uh of the character itself right well when you share the character um more more money will fall yeah, exactly. Definitely. I mean, by keeping the character tied up to where nobody can use him, I mean, that's just that's, that's just bullshit. fucked up. It is start up have people start a pe- uh, petition for uh, making it to where it's the people's choice for the right? rights of Jason Voorhees. Should Not, be or just another company. Yeah, something like. I, you know, uh, leaving them with creative rights. Just but like we need at least one more Friday the 13th official film. Yeah, I could see that. Because then that would make... 13. Yep. There are some fan films out there, though. Yeah, but... And they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Yeah, the only... Vengeance... Yeah, I saw that. You you were telling I know. me. Yeah. You you met the actor who played Jason. Yeah, that, that was that particular one. It's pretty badass. He did a good job in that little film, though. He did. And, and there's, there's a, a sequel, sequel coming. coming. Ooh, that'll be cool. Yeah. So, are you ready for a uh, little, little sponsor break? I think so. I hope the viewers are ready because... <laughs> We have our sponsor, little Anchor, over there. Ooh, Anchor. Why don't you take it away, Anchor? They're here. Welcome back. Welcome, Welcome back. back. That, was that was a nice, nice little, little break. Little, little potty break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Snacks. Snacks and all the good times like you guys should be doing when listening to this podcast. Yeah. And as a quick reminder before we start, make sure that you guys voice message us on the Anchor app or go to anchor.com if you have a mic and do it as well. The link is in the Facebook group page. And yeah, so if you guys have any ideas for future episodes or you just want to drop by and say hi or hey, you're stupid, <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'll take anything at this point. Something's better than nothing. As long as it's not a dick. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with anything, but, you know, <clears throat> don't, don't send dick pics or dick sounds. Why not? 
Can you just imagine we open up a voice audio, like a voice message, and it's like, slap, slap, slap. <laughs> it's just someone slapping their dick around. Jesus. Just yanking it. Wow. So, um, I'm trying to load it, but I was kind of looking on our Facebook as you're talking. Uh-huh. On the fearful crew, it says we have a new post. We have a new post? Yeah. What does it say? Um, I'm trying to... Load, damn it, load! <laughs> hmm. I wonder if it's a uh, a message for good old... Good old us. Well, that's uh, what I was trying to look. I, I wish I had saw it during the breaks. So then it would be loaded up. I saw, now. I saw Nick posted something there the other day. Did he? Yeah. But, but you... you didn't, didn't I liked it. Was, was it a comment? Or no, no. It was it was a, a picture. picture, yeah. Uh, so it was kind of cool. Well, I, well, I'll, I'll keep, keep trying, trying, but let's let's uh, spin move on. on. Yeah. So the game, the first game that I actually did was Dead by Daylight. Nice. Yeah, one of my favorite all-time leisure games uh, to play personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dead by Daylight is an asymmetric survival horror video game developed by Behavior Interactive. Dead by Daylight was released from Microsoft Windows in June 2016, released on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One in June 2017. Released on Nintendo Switch on September 24th in 2019, and a mobile port was released on iOS and Android on April 17th, 2020, which I also have the app. (laughs) The Stadia version was released in October 2020 with a PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series XS versions set to release in late 2020. The game is played as one versus four online multiplayer where one player takes on the role of the savage killer and the other four players play as survivors trying to escape the killer and avoid being caught and sacrificed to the malevolent force known as the entity alongside several original characters the game also includes downloadable dlc characters from several horror franchises such as halloween left for dead the texas chainsaw massacre a nightmare on elm street saw evil dead scream stranger things and silent hill the player repairing a generator with a toolbox with another survivor a group of up to four survivors must elude one killer the survivors perspectives are third person while the killer's perspective is in first person the survivors cannot fight against the killer and can only survive by running away and evading them they must use obstacles in the form of wooden pallets windows and items that they either find inside chests or bring before the match starts to help them run from the killer for as long as they can In order to escape, the survivors must repair five generators scattered across the entire map to power the exit gates. Then they must open the exit gates and leave the the area themselves or find a hatch to jump into. Most killers only have one form of locomotion moving at a fast pace which 
is moderately faster than the pace of a sprinting survivor, the average killer speed being 4.6 milliseconds compared to survivors 4 milliseconds when hunting the survivors, the killer must capture them by either striking them twice with their weapon, the first hit reduces the survivor to the injured state and gives them a speed boost and lasts as long as the successful hit cooldown, while the second hit drops them to dying and crawling on the ground or grabbing them in one move by either catching them inside a locker while attempting to vault over pallets or through windows. These work only when the survivor is injured, while repairing a generator, or trying to rescue a fellow survivor from a hook. Some killers have secondary attacks that deal double damage and put survivors into the dying state in one strike. The first time a survivor is hooked, they enter the first phase. This phase only, the survivor can try for a low 4% chance of escaping from the hook at the cost of tremendously accelerating the sacrifice of process upon failure to escape. Hook survivors can also be rescued by fellow survivors. If the survivor escapes or is saved and eventually hooked a second time, they will enter the struggle phase in which the survivor has to resist the entities trying to stab them by rapidly pressing a button until they are either saved by an ally or killed by the entity. If the survivor is saved during the struggle phase and is hooked a third time, they will die instantly with no opportunity of survival. The killer, despite walking at a fast pace, is slower than survivors in most other movements. After striking a survivor, the killer will slow their movement to wipe the blood off their weapon. The killer is also slower in vaulting through windows and cannot leap over pallets that survivors can throw down in their path. With the exception of the Legion, but instead have to go around the spot or spend some time destroying them. The killer also has an aura reading ability, consistently revealing the location of generators, hex totems, and if they are carrying a survivor, hooks across the map. A new mechanic was added in patch 1.5.0, which introduced Bloodlust. 15 seconds into a chase, the killer receives a boost of 0.2 milliseconds to their base movement speed. 30 seconds into a chase grants the killer a 0.4 millisecond boost. And finally, if a chase lasts more than 45 consecutive seconds, the killer receives a 0.6 millisecond boost. Bloodlust only lasts until a chase ends, after which the movement speed boost will degrade at a rate of 10% per second spent not chasing a survivor, with breaking a pallet or injuring a survivor instantly, removing it completely. Every killer has a secondary ability called a killer power. Each killer power is unique. For instance, the Wraith can cloak turning invisible and moving faster, but being able to strike survivors while hidden. And the hillbilly wields a chainsaw which allows him to dash quickly along the map and instantly knock down survivors he comes into contact with. The powers can be argumented using add-ons, which are purchased in the blood web using blood points, which are earned from ga gameplay. So they're in-game currency. 
As a survivor, players must escape the enclosed area, which can be done in one of two ways. Either by repairing five disabled generators to provide power to the switch boxes of two exegates leading out of the trial grounds, or by escaping through the hatch. The hatch opens when there is only one survivor remaining in the trial. The survivors will need a key to open the hatch if there is more than one person alive. If the killer closes the hatch before the survivor reaches it in the endgame, collapse will initiate, giving the survivor only two minutes to open one of the exegates before the timer runs out or they are caught by the killer. The survivor's movement options consist of sprinting, walking, crouch walking, or crawling. They must elude the killer by losing their line of sight in a chase or by successfully hiding from them. When dealing with the killer, survivors can make use of a handle, uh, a handful of items. Searching chests inside buildings, which will sometimes yield medkits, which allow the survivors to heal themselves rather than wait for a teammate. Flashlights, which can be used to temporarily blind the killer and rescue a survivor that the killer is carrying. Toolboxes, which can be both used as to repair generators faster and to temporarily sabotage hooks. Keys do a variety of things depending on their add-ons and may be used to open the hatch. Or maps, which track objectives and reveal their auras. One resource that survivors can use are massive wooden pallets, which are placed upright and can be pulled down when a survivor runs past them. If the killer is right behind them, the survivor, the pallet will momentarily stun the killer if it successfully hits them. Other technical advantage advantages that survivors have include the ability to see the aura of downed and hooked teammates, thus easily drawing them to their location for a rescue, and can similarly see the locations of newly repaired generators and the exit gates for a short period of time once all necessary generators are repaired. When the killer is near, the survivors will hear a heartbeat and eventually tense music, both of which increase the intensity with proximity to the killer. They can also see a red, li red light called the red stain, emitting from the killer's head onto the ground which reveals the direction they are facing. Interacting with most objects and actions in the game causes random skill checks to trigger. Right before a skill check triggers, the player will receive a noise notification and a needle within a circle will then appear on the screen. The player must hit the action button when the needle is within a certain randomly chosen section of the circle before the needle passes it. The player can hit either a good skill check or a great skill check. Hitting a good skill check grants 50 blood points, and a great skill check grants 300 blood points, and an instant 1% bonus to progression on the objective. Failing a skill check has multiple consequences based on the action being taken. Repairing each generator takes a lengthy period of time and makes a rather small mechanical noise during the process. Failing a repair skill skill check will cause an explosion that will set the progression of the generator repair back and make a loud noise alerting the killer to the survivor's location. Survivors have the ability to damage generators which will regress them over time. Sabotaging a hook takes a significantly shorter amount of time than repairing a generator but is considerably louder. To sabotage a hook survivors must be equipped with 
a toolbox or have the saboteur perk active. No skill checks will spawn while sabotaging a hook and by default take 2.5 seconds to sabotage. Any progress made is reset upon canceling the sabotage action. Sabotaged hooks will respawn after 30 seconds have elapsed unless the perk breakdown is active, which increases time to 3 minutes. If you were unhooked from that hook, special event hooks and the basement hooks cannot be sabotaged. The process by which the survivors may heal themselves or each other can take drastically different lengths of time depending on multiple factors such as whether they have a med kit, whether certain perks are active, whether the killer has been debuffed, and whether the survivor is healing themselves or an ally. Skill checks are more are as common as when repairing but have a slightly less severe consequence when failed. Failing a healing skill check still reduces the progress of the action, but the wail made by the survivor being healed is quieter than the other explosions and bangs, but still alerts the killer of the location within a certain range. If a survivor is caught by the killer, they are picked up and usually carried to the nearest hook. During this time, they can attempt to wiggle out of the killer's grasp before they reach the hook and attempt to run away. If the killer succeeds in impaling a survivor on one of the many hooks in the area, a teammate can rescue the impaled survivor or more rarely, the impaled survivor with a 4% chance can rescue themselves from the hook. And so once all generators are repaired, a survivor must find a switch next to one of the two exit gates and hold it for 20 seconds in order to, the, to open the door. The game only ends when all survivors have either escaped or have been killed. Thus, while some survivors may escape and finish early, those still inside must keep playing. Players who have escaped or died have the ability to observe the remaining players through the game's conclusion or return to the menu and join a new game. If only one survivor remains, then repairing generators can become nearly impossible. An alternative escape method would be to use a block lock, commonly known as the hatch which spawns in a random area after the number of generators repaired equals one more than there are survivors left alive in the game, i.e. three generators repaired with only two survivors still living. The hatch spawns closed, but when only one survivor remains, it, then it will open automatically. The killer can close the hatch, which triggers the end game collapse phase of the game while closed it can be opened if one survivor has a dull key or a skeleton key and will remain open for 30 seconds allowing any remaining survivors to hop in and escape during end game collapse the exegates power disregarding the amount of generators still left unrepaired perks so you get perks in this game survivors and killers each have the option to use a lot utilize up to four perks in their loadout which gives their characters special abilities players can only have one of each perk for example a player can have two exhaustion perks but cannot have two of the exact same exhaustion perk this applies to all perks not just exhaustion ones and is true for killers and survivors each character starts off with a set of three perks that are unique to them and must find first be unlocked before the other characters can use them. These perks normally aim for a particular playstyle for their respective characters and can be unlocked and upgraded in the blood web using blood points and each blood web can hold one to four perks. 
perks differ between survivors and killers. Survivor perks can range from giving a burst of speed when running from the killer to be able to self-heal without a first aid kit to unlocking the ability to sabotage meat hooks without a toolbox. Killer perks may range from seeing survivors' auras, hindering their struggle time while being carried, and locking down generators to prevent them from being worked on. There is also a multitude of universal perks that are available to be used by any character. Both survivors and killers are able to unlock items, perks, add-ons, and offerings through the blood web. Every action performed in a trial awards the player a number of blood points, and the sum is added to the player's total at the end of the trial. Each level of the blood web is, uh, generated, uh, is a generated graph which is larger at higher character levels. The rewards are connected to each other in a radical tree, and players must purchase rewards along the progression path to gain access to others. Once every reward on the tree has been purchased, the blood web will generate a new level for the player to progress to, increasing that character's level. Once the character reaches level 50, they will be given the option to prestige. While given the option, they will still be able to buy things from the blood web, but will not further increase their level. Once prestiged, a character will reset their progression and receive one of their default customization options in a blood-splattered variation. One can prestige one's character up to three times, making it bloody. The blood web may contain items and their add-ons offerings that can be spent at the start of the round to influence the trial's conditions and perks that make the character more powerful. Offerings and add-ons may only be used in one trial, uh, whereas items can be reused until the player dies or gives it to another player. Items can be acquired from chests on the map, but this does not affect the character's blood web. Players. Players assume the role of one of the 24 survivors, Dwight, Meg, Claudette, Jake, Nia, Lori, William, Ace, Fang, David, Quentin, David, Kate, Denson, uh, Francis, Je uh, Jeffrey, or Jeff, Jane, Ashley, Steve, ha Nancy, Yui, Zarina, Cheryl, Felix, or Elodie. The goal of the survivors is to escape the enclosed area, which can be done in using the hatch or escaping through the door. The game takes place across 15 realms, which are based on the places of the killers became murderers. The Macmillan Estate, Trapper, the nurse, Crotus Pren Asylum, Autohaven Wreckers is Wraith, Coldwind Farm, Hillbilly, Crotus Pren Asylum, Clown, Hade, Haddonfield, The Shape, Blackwater Swamp, Hag, Larry's Memorial Institute, Doctor, The Red Forest, Huntress, and Plague, Springwood, Badham Preschool, Nightmare, Gideon Meat Plant, Pig, Yum, uh, Yakamoa Estate, Spirit, or Oni, Ormond, Legion, Hawkins National Laboratory, The Demogorgon, Grave of Glenville, Deathslinger, and Midwich Elementary School, The Executioner, the Cannibal, the Ghostface, the Blight, and the Twins did not receive maps. Over time, the evilness of the killer's actions accumulated there until it attracted the attention of the entity, an unknown force of darkness from a place with no name. 
Most realms are split into multiple maps with similar features but small variations. Every map except for Wrecker's Yard and Rotten Fields features a map-specific building or landmark that remains in the same place in the map every game. Every map also features a building known as the Killer Shack, which is the same throughout all maps and appears in one of the few predetermined locations in the map, with the exception of five maps, Larry's, Gideon, Haddonfield, Hawkins, and Silent Hill, every new game, a room known as the basement is placed under either the map specific building or the shack. The basement is a special room consisting of one item chest for the survivors to scavenge, scavenge in and four lockers for them to hide in. It is also home to a special four pointed hook that cannot be destroyed or tampered with in any way by survivors. The basement only has one way in, making it very secure for the killer to bring their victims without fear of other survivors saving them. Because of this danger, survivors are rewarded a small number of points even for venturing into the basement. Now we get into the plot. The Entity, a supernatural being hailing from the ancient blood web, is awakened from its slumber and summoned by actions of great violence and malice. The killers, mostly serial murderers or victims of terrible tragedy, are pulled out of reality by it and convinced or forced to do its bidding. In order to maintain its existence, the entity requires sacrifices and demands that they hunt and kill survivors so it can feed off their hope and steal a piece of their souls upon death. In order to continue this hunt, the entity blocks off the gateways of death and puts the dead into a dreamlike state that leads the survivors back to the entity's world to get hunted again. The survivors are pulled into the entity's constructed world when they wander too close to the places the killers were taken from, disappearing from the real world without a trace. They end up in a lonely, at a lonely campfire where they rest between trials until a killer pursues them again. Each trial takes place in a series of realms constructed by the entity of areas from where the killers were taken. The survivor's only hope of escape is to complete a series of generators scattered throughout each realm to power up a large gate to escape. If the killer has killed all but one survivor, the entity will offer the latter a final means to of escape in the form of a hatch. Escaping from the grounds always takes the survivors back to the campfire and offerings can be created to burn it and appeal for the entity's favor. Since the entity feeds off the hope of the survivors to escape, it helps them just as much as the killers, acting as an impartial observer of the hunt, stepping in only to claim those hung on its hooks. So, that wow. was that's, that's just the plot for it. Um, during its first week, Dead by Daylight sold more than 270,000 copies the game sold more than 1 million copies within the first two months. On November 16, 2017, more than 3 million copies were sold. And as of May 2019, the game sold more than 5 million copies. And just recently, in August 2020, the game reached more than 25 million players across all platforms. Wow. Yeah, they made that's, a lot of money on this game. Crazy. So, don't worry. If you can't afford to buy the game on Xbox or PlayStation or on Steam, you can get the mobile uh, the mobile oh. release on it. 
Yeah, mobile, mobile. <laughs> um, on June 19, 2019, Behavior Interactive Incorporation announced the plan to release Dead by Daylight to iOS and Android for free in an attempt to make the game more accessible to players around the world. A different development team was formed that is fully dedicated to optimizing the game for the mobile experience. Dead by Daylight Mobile was initially slated for launch in 2019. However, the developers had to push the release to 2020, which was a shit year to do it, citing their need for more time to work on bugs and optimize. On February 27, 2019, Behavior announced that the mobile game version will be purchased, uh, published by Chinese video game publisher NetEase Games in Southeast Asia, Japan, and Korea. It was released in EMEA, the Americas, and South Asia on April 16, 2020. Or, I mean, it was also good. Uh, depending on how you really look at it, I guess. So, yeah. 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 There, there's a lot of content and uh, a lot of things oh, yeah. that they're putting in I, the game. I really, I really like the game. game. Yeah. Um, it's a lot need of fun. To play it more. We need to play yeah. it more. Yeah, yeah we, 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 we do. And it's um, it's cross platform. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what, what makes it so great. Is that it's cross platform. Yes. So I think all games should be. Oh yeah, no. So you can play with your friends no matter what. Yeah, because yeah, now, now, you know, any, any other game, game is. Uh, hey, I I, I want to play online with you, buddy. And then you're like, well, I got a PS4, and you've got an Xbox One, so uh, it's not happening. Yeah, it sucks on certain fronts yeah. like that. So the fact that it's cross-platform is great. Yeah, the mobile uh, version of it, the app, is about to be part of the cross-platform oh. as well. Nice. nice. I don't know how well that's going to work, but... It'd be a little weird, but... Oh, yeah. So, Dead by Daylight, if you guys have a chance, go check it out. It's a hell yeah. of a game. It's a lot of fun. I, I agree. It's a lot of fun. Um, it challenges you. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It, it was a huge challenge at first, and then got Due to the, the controls, controls and everything, and the idea of like how, how to play, how to manipulate the killer and everything. Yeah, yeah. If if you get really good, you can run the killer for. Uh, I have a buddy that can run killers for five generators, like all five gens, just getting chased the entire game. Wow. wow. That's just that's him pissing off people. <laughs> I'm just imagining some 13-year-old kid. You son of a bitch! I fucked your mom. I fucked your mom. You go get Fuck her right in the pussy. <laughs> I just... No. 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 So, are you ready for game number two? Hell yeah. What do we got? Have you played... Until dawn, I have not. I've heard of it. You've heard it of it. Sounded really good. Oh yeah, but never played it. So uh, they actually came out with a couple different sequels for it, um, and I can't remember. Um, there was okay, so there was Until Dawn, 
there was uh, the new one that just came out, the third um, edition of the collection for it is um, the, oh, shit. I'm trying to fucking remember the name. Um, oh, Little Hope. Little Hope. And then uh, the second one, I forgot. I got it. And the Man of Madon was the second version of it. Um, and it was pretty fucking good. Basically, it's a game where you make your own choices. Uh, whether what the character says, where the character goes, if you live or die, you control the entire game. And that's what makes this game and these other games that it has to offer a lot cooler than most because you control the story 100%. There's no um, you, changing it. You get a different outcome for uh, depending on who you kill, what happens. Nice. Yeah. I like, I like those, those kind of games. games. Yeah. It's a make your choice. Reminds, Reminds me of those books. Back in the day, the Choose Your Own Adventure book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so, Until Dawn is a 2015 interactive drama horror video game developed by Supermassive Games and published by Sony Computer Entertainment for the PlayStation 4. Players assume control of eight young adults who have to survive on Blackwood Mountain when their lives are threatened. The game features a hyperlink cinema-esque for its multi-linear narratives and butterfly effect system in which players must make choices that may change the story. All playable characters can survive or die, depending on the choices made. Players explore the environment from a third-person perspective and find clues that may help solve the mystery. The game was originally planned as a first-person game for the PlayStation 3's motion controller, PlayStation Move. The motion controls were dropped when it became a PlayStation 4 game. The story was written by Larry Fessenden and Graham Resnick, who sought to create the video game equivalent of a slasher film. The development team took inspiration from various sources, these include the movies Evil Dead 2 the, and Poltergeist, and video games Heavy Rain, Resident Evil, Silent Hill, etc. To ensure the game was scary, the team used a Galavan skin response, response test to measure playtesters' fear levels when playing it. Jason Graves composed the soundtrack, and Guerra... Uh, <laughs> games uh, decima game engine was used for the graphics several noted actors including rami malik hayden pentier I, I i don't get last names very well uh megan martin brett dalton jordan fisher nicole bloom and peter stormare see hayden if you had a fucking easy name i would have gotten it <laughs> it's not my fault um provided motion capture and voice acting. Until Dawn was announced at Gamescom 2012 and released in August 2015. Although the title received little marketing effort from Sony, its sales surpassed expectations. The game received generally positive reviews. Critics praised the branching nature of the story, butterfly effect system, world-building characters, and use of quick-time events. Criticisms were aimed at the incorporation of motion controls, lack of 
build up in the second act and cliche dialogue until Dog was nominated for multiple year-end accolades. Uh, Supermassive followed the game with a virtual reality spinoff until dawn, Rush of Blood, 2016, and a prequel, The Impatient, 2018, which I heard Rush of Blood sucked ass. It was just that you're on a roller coaster shooting, uh, uh, shooting the monster. It's stupid. Um, that sucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Until Dawn is an interactive drama in which players prim- uh, primarily, primarily assume control of eight young adults who have to survive on Blackwood Mountain until they are rescued at dawn. The gameplay is mainly a combination of cutscenes and third-person exploration. Players control the characters in a linear environment and find clues and items. Players can also collect totems, which give players a precognition of what may happen in the game's narrative. An in-game system keeps track of all of the sequences, feature uh, all of the story clues and secrets that players have discovered. Even across multiple playthroughs, action sequences feature mostly quick-time events. The one, the one type of QTE involves hiding from a threat by holding the controller as still as possible when a don't-move prompt appears. The game features a butterfly effect system in which players have to make a choice. These range from small decisions like picking up a book to moral choices that involve the fate of other characters. Some decisions are timed. Certain choices may unlock a new sequence of events that cause unforeseen consequences. These choices also influence the story's tone and relationships between characters. Players can view their personality and details of the character they are controlling, and his or her relationships with other characters. All eight characters may die by the end of the story, depending on the player's decisions. Deaths are permanent. The game's narrative will adapt to these changes and continue forward without them. The strict autosave system prevents players from reloading a previously saved file. This makes it impossible to revert choices with unfavorable outcomes. The only way to change the player's choice are to restart the game or to continue it to the end and start a new game. Though each player is guaranteed to experience the full narrative, as certain characters are guaranteed to survive until the climax. There are hundreds of endings, which are the outcomes of 22 critical choices players can make in-game. The game is divided into 10 chapters. There is an intermission between each chapter in which a psychologist, Dr. Hill, Peter Stormare, addresses the player directly. He analyzes... He analyzes, I can't fucking talk with these simple words. He analyzes the player's fears along with choices they have made. British developer Supermassive Games led the game's development, which began in 2010. Its extensive uh, existence was revealed after a trademark for Until Dawn was discovered. The game's creative director was Will Biles, who joined the studio in the same year. The studio began discussing an idea for a new game for the PlayStation 3's PlayStation Move accessory, which had a greater emphasis on narrative than Supermassive's previous titles like Start the Party. The proposed game would be a horror game that resembled a slasher film, and it would be designed for a younger audience that publisher Sony 
computer entertainment ad courted with the move. Supermassive hired American writers Larry Fessenden and Graham Resnick, both of whom who had worked on horror movies, to write the game's script. They were hired because Biles felt the company's British writers wrote in a uh, certain way that is inappropriate for the horror genre. The game was initially exclusive to PlayStation Move, meaning players needed to buy the Move controller to functionally play the game. In this version of the game, the only way to navigate and progress the game is by moving the motion controller. Moving the wand guides the movement of the flashlight held by the characters as players explore the location from the first-person perspective. The wand can also be used to interact with objects and solve puzzles. In this version of the game, players can occasionally wield a firearm. So, that that would be something to check out. That would be. Yeah. Man. A segment of the game shown at Gamescom 2012 received, received positive comments from the gaming community. Biles said that the enthusiastic response was due to the game's unique tone, which was thought to be fresh compared with that of its comp, uh, competitors. One of the most common complaints was received uh, was that the game status as a move exclusive uh, most people did not want to purchase the controller for the game. At that time, the game had reached the alpha development stage. Biles experimented with the game's debug camera and realized the potential of changing the perspective to third person. This would change the game from first person adventure game to a more cinematic experience. The game would also uh, switch platform from PlayStation 3 to PlayStation 4 and expanded the game's scope to include more mature content. Sony approved the idea and allowed the team to develop for the PS4 and change the game's genre. According to Ashley Reed of Games Radar, the, the changes in gameplay gave more space to let the score, character personalities, camera work, and settings shine through. Most characters were also recast. Brett Dalton, one of the actors retained from the PlayStation 3 version, said he believed that the recasting was performed to hire better known actors. With these changes, the team partnered with Cubic Motion and Three Lateral to motion capture the actors' performances. The team also needed to change the game's graphics. They used the Decima engine created by Guerrero games and had to rework the lighting system. The team also extensively used part particle effects and volumetric lighting to light up the game's environments. Despite the third-person perspective, the game adopted a static camera angle in a way similar to early Resident Evil games. The approach was initially resisted by the development team because the designers considered the storyboards to ensure each camera angle had a narrative motion and proves their placements were not random. So they had to prove that it wasn't random. Um, initially, a quality assurance tester, uh, the testers were frustrated with the camera angle. Supermassive resolved this complaint by ensuring drastic camera transitions would not occur at thresholds like doors, but the team had, no, had to remove some scenes to satisfy this game uh, philosophy. To increase the player's agency, the team envisioned a system named the Butterfly Effect. Every choice the player makes in the game helps shape the story and ultimately leads to different endings. Biles stated that 
all of the characters can live or all of whom can die in order in any number of ways. And that this leads to many ways for scenes to unfold. He further added to... No two players would get the same experience because certain scenes would be locked away should the player make a different choice. Biles said this would encourage players to replay the game to discover more about the story. The dynamic choice and consequence system was inspired by Quantic Dream's Heavy Rain. With a branching story, Supermassive developed a software that recorded every choice in the game. Biles described the software as a series of nodes that enabled the team to keep track of the story they intended to tell. Due to the branching nature of the game, however, every time the team wanted to change details in the narrative, the writers needed to examine the possible impacts the change would have on the subsequent events. The team avoided substantial rewrites and instead focused on adjusting the game's pacing and direction once the motion capture and shooting process had begun. The game's strict autosave system was designed to be uh, uh, like imperative instead of punting. Uh, how do I? Uh, pun. Uh, pun. Punitive. I don't know. Punitive. Shit. Punitive. Shit. Biles said even though a character had died, the story would not end until it reached the ending and some characters may not have died despite their deaths being hinted at. Some plot points were designed to be indirect and vague so the narrative would gradually unfold. Biles recognized the design choice as risky and that it may disappoint mainstream players, but he felt it enhanced the game's horror elements. The game's pacing was inspired by that of Resident Evil and Silent Hill, in which there were quiet moments with no enemy encounter that helped enhance the game's tension. Tom Heaton, the game's designer, said an unsuccessful QTE trial or one incorrect choice would not lead directly to a character's death, though it would send the characters to harder, more treacherous paths. Biles described the game as glib and cheesy and said the story and atmosphere were similar to a typical teen horror movie. The film was inspired by a number of classic movies. The developers observed horror tropes and cliches that can be subverted in the game. These films included Psycho, The Haunting, Exorcist, Halloween, Poltergeist, Evil Dead 2, and The Conjuring. Fessenden and Resnick wrote a script of nearly 10,000 pages. The playable characters were set up as a typical movie archetypes, but as the narrative unfolded, these characters would show more nuanced qualities. The writers felt that, unlike films, games can use quieter moments for characters to express their inner feelings. With the game's emphasis on players' choices, players can no longer laugh at the characters' decisions because they must make these decisions themselves. It enables the player to relate with the characters and make each death more devastating. The dialogue was reduced significantly when the team began to use the motion capture technology, which facilitates storytelling through acting. The story has was written in a non-linear fashion. Chapter 8 was the first to be completed. This ended up causing some inconsistencies in the story. The development team wanted to invoke fear in the player and ensure the game had the appropriate proportion of terror, horror, and disgust. 
Supermassive made most of the terror, which Biles defined as the dread of an unseen threat to ensure the game was scary enough. The team used a Galvin uh, skin response test to measure playtesters' fear levels while they were playing the game. Biles described Until Dawn as a game that took horror back to the roots of horror. Unlike many of its competitors, tension, rather than action, was emphasized. Wow. So, so that really, really makes, makes me want to go play, play that. that. It's, it's it's a dope, dope fucking game. game. There, there is, is I, I. It's, it's been out for fucking uh, six, six years. years. I mean, it. Um, I remember seeing the, the trailers for it and stuff. There is a Wendigo in it, but it's like one of those. Um, you don't know. That, that it's, it's there, there until, until like, like the end, end pretty, pretty much. much. Oh, oh, okay. okay. But, but it's, it's interesting, interesting. <laughs> and it's it'll, it'll make, make you jump. jump. I, I suggest, suggest playing, playing it. If, if only I had a PS4. <sighs> Damn it! And it's yeah, only yeah. <laughs> it's, it's only on uh, Sony products. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a Steam horror game that I want to play, but. It's, it's only, only on PlayStation. PlayStation. What, what is, is it? Predator. Predator. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's basically, basically like, like uh, Friday, Friday the 13th, 13th but Predator. <laughs> I want to play it so bad. bad. I know. I know. But, but it's, it's only PlayStation. PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, but you, you might be able to... Uh, did you, you ever play, play the Alien game? Alien Isolation? Yeah. Yes. 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 yes, yes, yes. That was, that was a, a good, good fucking game. game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also, I also have played, played um, Colonial Marines. That was, that was a good, good one. one. Uh, and, and that, that one, one, you could be the Marines, the aliens, or Predator. And that was, that was really good. good. That was that a fun was one. one. Yeah. See, so, yeah. I, I wish I had the chance, chance to. Uh, Play those, those ones. ones. I'd, I'd do, do it. it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I have them on uh, PS3. PS3? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I, haven't I haven't played, played that since we, we, uh, we used to play zombies. zombies. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel I like, like that was zombies. That yeah. was, that was that a shit. shit. That was probably, in my opinion, probably one of the first horror games I played. And you can't really say it's a horror game per se. Right. But... Zombies, zombies have, have horror elements, elements in it. It does. It does. It'll, It'll freak you the fuck out, out after a while, while, like jump scared by oh, a yeah, fucking yeah. crawly. Mm-hmm. Do your, your task, and then all of a sudden, oh shit. God damn it. <laughs> Give me the goddamn ray gun, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> he always gets stuck with the stupid gun. I know. Fucking the, the box hated me. It had, had it out for me. Uh, yeah, yeah you'd say. Say. you're like Ray Gun, Ray Gun, Ray Gun, Ray Gun. Damn it! Pissed yeah. <laughs> oh, Knives man. again. <laughs> Shit <laughs> takes me back. Sniper rifle. Oh, fuck. Right. I ain't no quick scoping motherfucker. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you're like Ray Gun, Ray Gun, Ray Gun, Ray Gun. Get no stick, bitch. Damn it. Well. Grab it, we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. 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 It was good. Good, good, good information. information. A lot, lot of good, good games. games. And, and for definitely. Definitely. 
all you people out there, tell us what your favorite horror game is. You know, maybe on a voice message. Yeah, what's your favorite? Which one you hated? Which scared you the most? Yeah. And what horror game are you excited to play? Because there's a lot coming out in 2021. I've seen a lot of trailers. I've been seeing some of them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna play, play village like, like there's, there's no, no tomorrow. tomorrow. I can't, I can't wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Just see, see you play, play that. that. Fuck yeah, America. America. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, gonna it's gonna be, be awesome, awesome, man. So yeah, so, yeah. you ready? ready? Send, Send us, us away. away. Let's turn, turn all, all the lights, lights out. out. Get your snacks and drink ready. And fire, fire up, up your, your favorite, favorite horror game, game and slay monsters, monsters to save the world. world. Or die, die trying. Try. So, so sleep tight, tight all you gamer girls, girls and boys. Don't let the monster get you in the game. Because you just might have to start the whole damn thing over again. And as always... Always be mindful of your fearful thoughts. Thank you, everybody. Good night.